0: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to transform industries. And importantly, they will discuss how these technologies and strategies can shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the game changers, I promise you're in the right place. Today's buzz it's almost Halloween. Woohoo. Well, we're not going to do a Halloween show quite, but think about it. That means we are at the end of October. And if that means your company is a third of the way through your fourth quarter, wow. We bet your sales team is already putting that pedal to the metal to drive. I know I love that alliterate, that, that illusion, that metaphor to drive year end sales success. That's what they have to do. But here's the caveat. If they're using traditional strategies to accelerate the pipeline, their deals could be getting stuck, the dreaded five-letter word when it comes to deals. Okay, so listen up. The Aberdeen Group found that, and I've seen this all over the web, 72.6% of salespeople who are using social selling outperformed their peers. That's a whopping 72.6%. And they exceeded their quota 23% more often. Those are astounding, cannot-ignore numbers. Of course, you'd like your salespeople to achieve this level of success, too, wouldn't you? Well, let's find out how social, social selling, social media, social network, social listening can help your sales team. We have a panel of wonderful experts here. A couple of them may be familiar to you. We're glad to welcome them back. First up, I'm pleased to introduce Barbara Giomanco. She says I should call her Barb. She's the head of social-centered selling and the co-author of a book titled The New Handshake sales meets social media. Barb was on one of our other shows recently, and we're delighted to have her here on Social Selling with Game Changers, and Barb sent me an interesting quote from Albert Einstein. You have to learn the rules of the game, and then you have to play better than anyone else. Einstein, I think he really said this. Barb Giamanco, how are you, Barb? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thank you so much, my friend, for having me back. Oh, my, I like to hear my friend. That's a good one. So, Barb, here you are in social selling. Kirsten Boileau's wonderful new series we started a couple months ago. And, obviously, you're perfect for this. Do you think Einstein would be understanding of the fact that rules of the game are now applying to something called social selling? Tell me how you picked the quote, Barb.
2: I think he would. I, I picked the quote specifically because... As in life, whether it's sales, technology, whatever it is we're doing, things continue to evolve. And so I think that if you're still playing by the rule book from 20 years ago, then you're going to find yourself in a, in a, in a serious situation where you're probably not going to be very successful. So first, I really do believe you have to learn the new rules of doing business today, specifically what it takes to be successful in sales today. And then you got to be better than everybody else. You got to outplay your competitors.
1: Barb, if social selling is new and social listening takes a new skill set, nuanced, if you will, how many sales reps who are just entering this brave new world can be better than anyone else if they're not sure what they're doing or how to do it? And hopefully they're listening to you and Kirsten and our other guests in order to find out. What's that learning curve, Barb? Well actually
2: to be truth be told, Bonnie, I don't think it's that, that difficult to to learn uh the technicalities of the technology and the platforms. I think the biggest hurdle people have to get over, especially those in sales and sales leadership positions, is the mindset. They have to adjust their attitude. There's this thinking I That, hey, you know, what we did back in the day, you know, that, that works. We're just gonna smile and dial. And so that I have seen, um, through the years. And by the way, social selling isn't necessarily new. It's just a newer terminology to a lot of people. But what I've seen is that the biggest hurdle is for people to shift their mindset and recognize and accept whether they like it or not. Buyer behavior has changed, and that means salespeople need to change how they approach the buying process and working with buyers today. So, they have a choice. They can either do it or not, and if they choose not to, they're going to find that their sales uh, continues to be in a bit of a uh, decline, unfortunately.
1: Hmm. Interesting. Thank you very much. There's a uh, there's a handwriting on the wall. Thank you, Barb. Let's go to our second panelist. She's Kirsten Boyle. We're still waiting for Liam McLaughlin from LinkedIn to connect with us. He's calling in from Ireland, and apparently he is not getting through on our our uh, conference line. So we're still hoping he's able to join us. Kirsten Boyle, this is your series. Kirsten is the director of digital startup, leading the SAP social business and social selling initiatives for SAP Global Marketing. Kirsten, by the way, just had a wonderful. Presentation delivered at uh, uh, Sales Connect at LinkedIn last week. I saw part of it on video, and she shared some wonderful stories with the audience and really put the humanization into social selling. So, congratulations, Kirsten. And here is the quote Kirsten selected for today's show from Amar Sheth, S H E T H, who is an author at salesforlife.com. Here's the quote Forget today, think about the future. While it can be rewarding in the short term to focus on transactions, it will harm you in the long term. Build and sell relationships. Kirsten, welcome. How are you?
3: Thank you, Bonnie. Yes, thank you very much. I'm I'm doing quite well today. Thank you.
1: Good. And talk to me about this interesting quote.
3: Well, I chose it because, uh, like Barb, I think that um social media offers us such an incredible opportunity to to really get to know our customers on um on a really personal basis you know you understand what they're like from a uh, in a business aspect but through um social media you can see you know how they interact with their peers you can see the kinds of questions they ask you may see them tweet out something about their family or uh, perhaps, you know, a sports game that they're interested in or something like that. It really helps you to build relationships. And, um, and you know, like Amar said, you know, build and sell relationships and sell them through social. It, it, it is uh, such an incredible opportunity, and, and that's why I chose it. I think it's such – it really um, will help you in the long run and I, I mean, sales knows this. They know that, that selling is all about relationships. Um, and social is just a brand new way to to actually build those relationships and, and build them in um, very quickly. You can very quickly get to know somebody.
1: Talking about very quickly, Kirsten, thank you. My introduction said it's already almost the end of October, October, November, December. Interesting that sales is really in their final push of the year. So when you say deepening those relationships, getting to know people quickly. Uh, is this escalated? Is some—is there some kind of adjective? if I can use that word, at this end of year period for sales? Kirsten and Barb can answer that as well, where they're going to be, I don't know, tweeting more, connecting more on LinkedIn. Do you see this, this push, not just the usual quarter end, but the quarter end, year end? Kirsten, what do you see?
3: Uh, I think there is um, definitely some uh, a real push for uh, closing out the year very strong I mean I think in most companies most of the the revenue comes in in the fourth quarter because that's when you know the the, the pressure is really on at that time um, and so but most people kind of forget about social in to my at least to my experience they They see social as that more prospecting tool, um, you know, building the opportunities, but they don't really see it as the way to move deals along the funnel. They don't see it as the way to to actually help them close a deal. And I think that um, they're missing out on a, a big
2: portion of what social can do for them.
1: Good points. Barb, thoughts?
2: Well, I think uh, two things. One, for some organizations, this is uh, fourth quarter closing out the year. For other organizations, they're coming into the halfway point in their year. Either way, I think it's super important that they are continuing to build relationships now preparing for the future. I mean, um, depending on what you're selling, if it's a really super complex, complex deal and it's got a big price tag, even if you started to engage with a key executive right now, I'm not sure the likelihood is you'd be able to close by the end of the year, maybe, um, but you need to be preparing. I think to Kristen's point, it is very important that people recognize this is another avenue for having conversations with people and being able to provide them the kind of relevant information they need to make their decision quickly. Uh, Bonnie, I believe based on my own experience that often salespeople are slowing down the sales process, not the buyer. So as Kristen said, there's especially with Twitter, there are opportunities to start engaging with people early, and it's a very low barrier to entry. I can think of relationships that I've started with people like Kirsten and Mm -hmm. other CMOs (laughs) and sales VPs just over Twitter, just by watching what they were tweeting, giving them a shout-out, sharing some piece of content. All of that goes a long way to you establishing a relationship fairly quickly, and frankly, it's a lot better than me trying to cold call those people, right, and waste all this time calling, calling, calling and getting nowhere, whereas a tweet or two where somebody recognizes I did something to help Mm -hmm. them. Bam, you start, you jumpstart that conversation right away. Uh, the, the thing for sellers to remember, though, is the first moment I said hello to Kirsten, I didn't try to sell her. So that's the other thing uh-huh. I think people need to realize. It's a balance, and you do have to be patient as you're building these relationships. But the final thing I'll say, Bonnie, this is no different than great selling has ever been. Forget all okay. the tools, forget all the technologies. Mm. Good sellers always knew to find ways to engage and build great relationships. And that led to opportunities to do business together.
1: Very well put. Thank you, Barb. And I have to mention, uh, this is for Kirsten. I tweeted late last night, I'm using sprinkler platform now. I tweeted a picture of Amar Sheff. and, uh, Yes, salesforlife.com. And the, and I copied, I added Kirsten Boylow, your handle to it. And this morning a tweet came back. Thanks for the love, SAP radio. And then he said, Kirsten Boylow, it's been a while. Would love to connect. Barb, is that a perfect example of reaching out? And I didn't say, Amara, you have to listen to SAP radio. We're going to mention you. What do you think? I just said, you're going to be mentioned you're being quoted it was that simple just is that a good way to build a relationship barb it's an excellent way to d- to build a
2: relationship and the same holds true over on the linkedin platform listen it's all about giving first so when you mm-hmm. genuinely give you mention someone or you you let them know you're thinking about you know i when when kirsten was doing her presentation at linkedin connect i was watching virtually i tweeted about her presentation and how i was really impressed mm-hmm. and a couple of the key points i picked out and that was all from the heart. So yeah. I wasn't thinking, oh, if I do this, you know, Kirsten's going to buy yes. for me. No, that was yes. genuine from the heart. And I do that with a lot of people, and that's exactly the way to go about it. Think about how you can give to someone else. How can you help them? How can you give them some recognition?
1: How can you make them look good first? And that definitely comes back around. Thank you. I love the word heart. Kirsten, we have to put that into more of our shows. It takes heart to do this. The heart, heart is what's going to make those relationships real. And speaking of heart, we have uh, Liam McLaughlin finally able to reach us. Liam is the Instruct Program Manager for LinkedIn, speaking of LinkedIn. And Liam sent me the following proverb, source unknown, for his opening quote, he says, ask yourself if what you are doing today is getting you closer to where you want to be tomorrow. Liam McLaughlin, welcome finally to Social Selling with Game Changers Radio. How are you, Liam?
4: I'm very well. Thank you, Bonnie, for the invite to today, and I do apologize for my slight delay.
1: That's okay. You sound wonderful. Where in Ireland are you calling from right now, Liam?
4: Uh, Today, I'm calling in from Dublin, um, a very rainy Dublin today, um, which may not surprise a lot of people.
1: (laughs) Not at all. So tell me about this very interesting quote. It's a proverb. How does that apply to our topic? I know you've been listening for a few minutes, so you know what we're talking about. Liam, what do you think? Mm. Why did you pick
4: this quote? Um, Yeah, it really resonates with me because one of the things I try to do on a daily basis is, as I'm walking home or with my current role, if I'm walking towards a flight, um, I always try and understand, have I done a good job today? Um, if I, w- well, I was in sales, so when I was in sales, thinking to myself, have I done a good job today? So if there was room for improvement, there's always tomorrow. There's always something you can do tomorrow to improve what you're doing or what you're working towards. And everybody has goals. Everybody has a goal, a long-term goal, whether it's personal or career-wise, and it's a step-by-step process. You don't need to accomplish everything in one day, and that's what I always try to keep in mind.
1: Yes. What do they say about how do you, what is it? uh, Take one bite at a time. How do you, how do you consume an elephant? One bite at a time, one little tiny bite at a time. Liam, I know you were listening when we, I was just speaking a few minutes ago to Kirsten Boyleau and Barbara Giamanco, your co-panelists today. And we were talking about the authenticity, having a heart in building these relationships. And, uh, your, your quote from the proverb is so perfect. Ask yourself if what you're doing today is getting you closer to where you want to be tomorrow in terms of building Real relationships, and perhaps I should say realistic relationships. Any thoughts from your vantage point at LinkedIn, Liam, about putting heart and heart and soul, if I can go that far, into being connecting from a good place, connecting from a not what am I going to get from you, but hey, it would be good for us to know each other. What are your thoughts on that, please?
4: Yeah, um, I I could speak about this for. 30 minutes, but I, <laughs> I'll try and be succinct and tied into a few, uh, a few minutes. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, we, we, we don't sell to companies. We sell to individuals. And you, you build a relationship with someone. And a lot of people like to have that personal touch. And again, having been in sales, I always try to take the approach, and I see it with a lot of my current cross-functional partners. Um, there are a lot of different avenues and channels you can use to do that, Um, whether it's saying happy birthday to someone, whether they've just won an award, um, whether someone's been speaking at Sales Connects like Kirsten. That is a perfect opportunity to just show the humanization of the selling process and just congratulating someone. And it doesn't take two seconds out of someone's day to do so, but it makes a big impression. And you are stepping outside the box compared to everyone else who may just be going in with the traditional selling process. So... Uh, I completely agree, and another thing as well to add is we do constantly connect with people on the different channels uh, like Twitter and and LinkedIn and Facebook, uh, but just remembering to stay in touch with those people, Um, just reaching out, again, congratulating them on an award, um, meeting them for a coffee if they're in the same city as you. So there's a lot of different things. I completely agree with it.
1: Okay, thank you very much. Good insight and good input. We're so happy you're with us. Now we're going to circle back to Barb, who knows what's coming. So does Kirsten. Liam is new to this process, so he can listen up and be ready. Uh, Barb, I'm going to ask you, where are you calling from? If it's not, let's see, I'm here in New York. It's 10, 18 in the morning. If you're in a different time zone, tell us. And Barb, what's in your cup today? What are you drinking that powers up the Barb Giomanco machine at social-centered selling? That's a mouthful. Talk to me, Barb.
2: <laughs> well, I'm calling in today from Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, like Liam, we had a lot of rain going on here. Uh, so it's uh, it's pretty uh, pretty crazy around here. Uh, what's in my cup, Bonnie? Nothing too exciting today. I'm hydrating. I'm about to get on a plane to head to Seattle, so I've got a big bottle of water here that I am drinking to make sure that I am ready for the uh, for the trip. But I uh, got to be honest. What usually fires up Barb Giamanco every single day is mm-hmm. uh, something kind of meditative, and then some kind of rock and music. And one of my favorites is uh, Prince. Baby, I'm a star.
1: All right. Talk about motivating yourself, baby. I'm a star. Yes, you are. We're going to do some rhyming here. Barb, you're going to Seattle. Uh, Rumor has it they have great coffee there. Do you have a favorite coffee place you're going to visit? Uh,
2: Well, I do actually like Seattle's best coffee, which I brew at home, and this is going to freak out a lot of coffee drinkers. I drink decaf (laughs) coffee. If you can't tell by my personality, I actually don't need the caffeine, but I love to taste of a nice um, cup of warm coffee with some soy milk.
1: I love that. And you and I are sisters, therefore, in not needing caffeine. So you've heard (laughs) heard that one before. They don't allow me to have caffeine on radio show days, and we all know why. Thank you, Barb. Delighted to speak with you again. Liam McLaughlin calling from Ireland. What time of day or night? And you have something interesting you're drinking, or what do you think you're going to drink later? Liam?
4: Yeah, uh, so it is just uh, coming up to 2.30 in the afternoon, so uh, well into the afternoon shift here. Um, in front of me is a cup of Barry's tea. Now, I'm not sure if any of you have, uh, or anyone listening, has ever been to Ireland, but there's two big brands of tea here. There's Barry's and there's Lyons, and uh, I'm a big, big Barry's fan, and uh, it may be controversial for some people, but it's, uh, it's delicious. Uh, I like to dunk some some biscuits into that as well in the afternoon. keeps me going.
1: Barry's coffee. What kind of biscuits? Come on, we need a little more color to this, Liam. What kind of biscuits do you (laughs) dunk into that? Come on, come on, come on.
4: Yeah, yeah. So Barry's tea, it's it's definitely a distinctive taste compared to Lions, which is the other major brand. Um, Mm -hmm. But the type of biscuit uh, into tea, it's a digestive biscuit, is usually the best. Sometimes I go uh, I go rogue and I might get some digestive biscuits with chocolate on top or maybe some caramel in between.
1: Oh, uh, digestive biscuits is a word we don't use too often here but I've seen them in the store. Guess what? I googled Barry's tea and I'm looking at this beautiful red box of Barry's tea, gold blend, a That's rich, it. refreshing taste with a bright golden color, <laughs> 80 tea bags. <clears throat> Woohoo! with pictures of it being poured and there's also a black box for the classic blend and a blue box barb this is for you for decaf a rich blend with a refreshing taste and then there is the gold blend of loose leaf tea wow very very interesting thank you for introducing us and that's at McNulty's Tea and Coffee in New York so we can get it here Thank you, Liam, for the introduction. Appreciate that. And thank you for calling in. And Kirsten Boileau, where are you? Are you going on stage anywhere soon? And what are you drinking?
3: I am not going on stage anytime soon. I am home, probably in Waterloo, for the next few months, which is great. Uh, My family needs me. Um, But I am drinking both water, lemon water, kind of on a cleanse, uh, weight loss mode. So I'm drinking lemon water and I'm drinking dandelion tea. And um, dandelion tea is actually really good for. It's got a lot of great um, vitamins and, and minerals in it, and it's just a really good cleanser, good liver detox kind of thing. So
0: it doesn't wow. taste
1: very good, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh the truth will out that's the first time we've heard barry's that's the first time we've heard i think the one that barb mentioned and that's definitely the first time we've heard dandelion tea out of about a thousand people passing through the portals here on game changers radio all 18 of our series kirsten i think dandelion tea is a first so you rock that thank you very much and i'm drinking cool clear water in a very pretty cup with a green straw. And green is for you guessed it Money, why not be successful with social selling? That's what we're talking about today. Your company is likely diving headlong into the pipeline to complete your fourth quarter of the year. 2015 is definitely drawing to a close in a matter of weeks. Yikes. And sales needs to figure out how to do it. If your deals are getting stuck, because you're using traditional, old-fashioned pipeline strategies, ah uh, ah uh, ah! Uh, listen up. Again, I'll repeat the Aberdeen stat: 72.6% of salespeople using social selling outperformed their peers and exceeded exceeded their quota 23% more often. Wouldn't you love results like that? We're speaking with Barb Giamanco today at Social Centered Selling. We're speaking with Liam McLaughlin at LinkedIn. Our friends at LinkedIn. I know Kirsten has a very close relationship with Liam. And- and his colleagues there calling in from Dublin and Kirsten Boylow at SAP, our social selling guru. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're going to take a quick break and a really quick one, just enough time to pour a cup of tea, Liam. And then we're going to come back, and Barb Giamanco and I are going to kick off the round table. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Justin out. <music>
0: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Social media is taking sales organizations by storm, and only those who adapt quickly into the new digital world will be around in the future. Social selling is a new tool that has implications to all lines of business, from building the fundamentals in the sales process and getting the content marketing mix right, to building cross-functional teams, And building the systems to truly measure the impact of social. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how social selling is changing the world of business. Social Selling with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Social Selling with Game Changers.
1: We're back and thank you very much. I'm trying desperately to post a picture of Barry's tea and I think I just well exceeded the character limit. We'll have to work on that, won't we? <laughs> Liam, I want to make this very live and authentic here. It's going through now. Woohoo! Okay, so here we go. It's time for our. Time for our um, roundtable. Here we go, a little distracted. Okay, Barb Giamanco, looking at your notes, here's some interesting place we're going to start. You say, world-class sellers adapt better and faster to changed buyer expectations. And that's the focus of this comment, in a digitally driven, customer-centric world. So how are savvy salespeople dealing with this? Barb, why don't you kick this off? Sure
2: absolutely well it sort, of, it sort of ties to the Einstein quote about learning the new rules and
1: learning the new rules. Bonnie
2: actually starts with understanding that today 's buyer has completely different expectations for us in terms of how we support them and it It starts by the fact that you know the internet and all these uh, digital platforms like LinkedIn and Twitter and others have given buyers the opportunity to go and do early stage research so they can start to do a lot of that advanced learning about. Uh, products, solutions, people, companies that they want to work with, and so um, you know and we also know that buyers are blocking emails and phone calls at unprecedented rates, right so you have to mm-hmm. you have to find another way, so you start adapting and looking for ways as we, as I said a little bit earlier, how can you be helpful, how can you provide? Relevant information, how can you, uh, you know, spend a little time really learning what that buyer cares about? So, when you do interact with them or share a piece of content or make a connection for them, it's really something that's going to benefit their business. And, and what I'd also say, Bonnie, is that sellers need to recognize that buyers have had enough with the pitch, right? So, they don't need you to pitch. Uh, yes, you can get to the demo in due time, but in the beginning, what buyers are really looking for from us, and Harvard Business Review um, bore this out in a report they did last year about uh, winning in a buyer empowered world 72% of executive buyers have said that they are looking for sellers who help them solve business problems. So the smart sellers recognize that the buyer probably has a lot of information which you can validate but you focus your attention on learning their business and understanding what's important to them and figure out how to help them solve their problem, that's what actually leads to you closing business, at least in my experience.
1: Okay, let's see what Liam McLaughlin has to say. Liam, thoughts on what Barbara just shared with us, please?
4: You know what? I I couldn't agree more. Um, There are a lot of statistics around this particular area. Um, One that we use quite frequently is um, B2B. Uh, The decision-makers, at least 90-plus percent of them expect new insights from from sales professionals. And they are leaning towards sales professionals that are listening to what they're doing in the world, uh, listening to what problems they may have. And Barbara's point, it's not a pitch. It's you're trying to solve what problems they may be speaking about. You're You're solution-selling. You're not going in with a pitch and getting them to adapt to what you may be selling. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, it's uh, it's it's well documented. Um, so, yeah, that, that's um, I couldn't agree more.
1: Now, Liam, before I bring Kirsten onto this conversation, I have a question for you. There seems to me there's mm-hmm. a, and, and Barb as well, there's a fine line, there's a shading when you're trying to learn their business, trying to be a problem solver, trying to help them find a solution. Isn't the punchline to finding the solution for them, <clears throat> excuse me, boy, do I have a solution for you. My XYZ Barry's tea and a cup to go on the plane on the way to Seattle when you're crammed into a two-seater t- tiny, tiny plane and you can tuck it into your baggage and it won't add extra weight. That solution, that would have a brand on it. That would have a label. That would be something that has a punchline. So Liam and then, and Kirsten, I want you to come into this too. Liam, how do you avoid that? We have the solution and here it is in my portfolio, ready to sign you up and subscribe. We're going to solve your problems. How do you avoid hmm. that selling pitch? Any any thoughts on that, Liam, as far as social goes?
4: Yeah. So uh, in my opinion, there's probably a sequence of events to, to everything. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. If some sales professionals reach out with that pitch initially, it doesn't work because you're probably doing a few things. You're making the assumption that you know what their challenges are and you're not in a position to make that assumption. So you need to listen to what's going on in their world. You need to speak to someone in that organization if you know any, get some introductions. So first of all, if you make the assumption, that will not work. And if you go directly in with your sales pitch, that will not work either. Um, So by listening uh, to what's going on in their world and getting those introductions, you will have some knowledge of what challenges they face. Mm-hmm. You will have your, uh, your, your studies done, you have all your research, you have an idea of what solutions may suit their business and may suit what you think their challenges are. So when you do get that particular meeting, that comes back to the sales professional and what they do best on closing deals. But going in completely cold, that is, um, that is something which people naturally feel when they're sending a connection request, sending an initial uh, cold call email. That's where they just pitch everything. So uh, yeah, sequence of events that needs to be done beforehand to make those uh, make those assumptions, and then you go in with your um, with your information uh, customized to them.
1: Great information, Liam. I love the way you put that. Kirsten, thoughts on what we started with Barb and how Liam expanded that? Kirsten Boyle.
3: Yeah, I think um, one of the best ways to, to really engage is beyond listening. Is then you know because people are only going to share so much in the in the social platforms, and, and understanding you know what their kind of targets are, or, or kind of a high level overview of what their challenges are is it, that's really great for that. I think the next step is, once you have connected with them, is to ask, start asking questions. Uh, don't mm-hmm. go in with that. You know, this is mm-hmm. I have a solution for you because I know exactly what your challenges are. You need to start asking questions, and it comes back to listening again. Um, I think a good part of sales is actually just listening to the conversation. We, I've, I've said this before, Bonnie. I, I'm sure you've heard it many times. Um, mm-hmm you know, that we have two ears and one mouth. We need to listen mm-hmm. twice as much as we speak. And uh, I think that goes for not only sales relationships, but relationships all over the place, no matter where you are in your life. Um, it, it, because it really helps us to understand and empathize and, and really um, internalize what people's issues and challenges are so that we can uh, really customize that solution.
1: Thank you. Barb, I'm going to ask you to wrap this part of our conversation up in a nice bow. Any thoughts on the good information that Liam and Kirsten shared?
2: Well, uh, not only do I I completely agree, but I think this is where this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where once the salesperson gets the sales meeting, everything they've done up to that point, right, using social or other opportunities to secure the meeting, this is now when the real magic starts to happen. And I'm big on asking great questions. And and for me, Bonnie, um, to tag onto to what, uh, what what Kirsten said, one of the best is once someone, you know, someone might approach me and say, hey, we're thinking about, you know, a social selling pro- a program. And one of the first things I will say is, Um, That's cool. You know, what problem are you looking to solve? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I know about their business, I've done some homework, I've checked them out, but then just asking the right sorts of strategic questions is going to lead you in the direction of the sequence of events that Liam talked about that's going to naturally lead to, eventually the customer is going to say, well, tell us a little bit more about how your solution could fit what we're talking about, and then by that point, you're really having sort of a collaborative discussion about how you can work together. That, to me, is the modern-day close, quite honestly.
1: Thank you, Barb. Very well put, as always. I want to move to another part of this conversation. Liam McLaughlin, I'm looking at your notes. And by the way, everyone, I want you to know that Liam spent 10 years in sales, B2B and B2C, before joining LinkedIn almost two years ago. He knows what he's talking about. Been there in the trenches, done that. Liam's notes tell me about the importance of a professional brand. Now, going back to Barb's comment before about changed buyer expectations, Liam is talking about what your brand looks like when they go looking for you or your solution before they even meet you, perhaps before they even have made any personal connection. Let me just read a note here from Liam, and then he can start. You say, buyers are now doing their research online before engaging with sellers. And Liam, I think I've seen uh, statistics that show that people are almost 90% of the way through the buying cycle before they even engage with a human being, whether it's face-to-face, phone, or social selling. And this includes, they're looking at your company website. They're looking. At your blogs, they're looking at reviews. Oh, God help us! And they're looking at social media profiles. So, you say it's now nearly a requirement to represent yourself online in an appropriate manner. Liam, talk to me. What is the definition in your world of an appropriate manner for companies to express and uphold and push out their professional brand so that people find them the right way with the right? the right cachet, if you will. Talk to me, Liam.
4: Yeah, so I, I definitely think this is somewhat twofolded as a, um, as a question and as an answer. So definitely a company. Uh, first of all, they definitely need to represent themselves in an appropriate manner on various different social channels. There, um, there's consistency across the particular channels as well as regards images and messaging, And because, as you mentioned, it is in the 90 percentile of people that do look online before they do research. Um, A complete example, um, very personal. Last time you went in and maybe bought a particular laptop, Uh, I use this example quite a lot. I bought a a MacBook last year. Uh, I didn't walk into a shop and buy it just off the shelf. I do my research online. I ask my friends. I ask my colleagues, what do you think of this particular product or service? And it's... um, it's taken to heart because these are people that you, you know and you trust. People are doing exactly the same in the B2B world for vendors and for suppliers. And any particular product or service, they are asking about that as well. So, again, coming back to the company side of things, you definitely need to have that information online so they have it to, to utilize. But from an individual perspective, we, we all have the same types of channels um, we have your Twitters, your LinkedIns, you have various other different uh, social platforms. And one important aspect of that as a professional is it is your online brand. It is not your resume where you're listing your achievements um, mm. straight out in percentile. like hit my targets, etc. That's not really what a professional wants to see when you're reaching out to them. They want to know your credible business partner. So the narrative on your profiles need to be um, tailored Uh, Appropriately to who you're um, who you're uh, appealing to, Um, so hopefully that answers your questions. I could go on further, but uh, (laughs) I just wanted to kind of give that high-level overview of my opinion on uh, how important professional brand was.
1: Thank you very much. Thank you, Liam, and and the fact that it needs to be tailored. I just would like you to add on to that before Kirsten chimes in. Do you need to have, for example, different versions of your main URL? that you could send people to different pages, directly pages in your website that will be for them. So let's say you have three versions of a product and you don't want somebody to have to search and you don't have a really good web designer who doesn't know how to put, if you're interested in this, click here, click here, click here. Uh, Do you need to go to that effort to have different entry points so that, let's say you're on, on LinkedIn and you connect with somebody and you know that their problem is XYZ. You can say, hey, we wrote a blog on that. Exactly. Think you'd love to read it. And then give them the link to that part of your website where exactly that is. I know I'm going on and on here, but thoughts about how deep do you have to go to lead them to the place mm-hmm. that won't waste their time? Liam, any thoughts on that?
4: Yeah. So um, just to your, your, uh, your example, you used, I suppose, from a LinkedIn perspective, mm-hmm. people's individual profiles, they have uh, the capabilities to carry a lot of particular uh, areas. Um, yep. You have a summary And that summary section, you can tell your story about who you are and what your company does. But then you have your experience section, which is you telling the world what you do in your current role, whether you are a sales executive or whether you're a managing director. And in those particular sections, you have the ability to carry rich media, which is the likes of videos, uh, blog articles, links to websites. Um, So it definitely is appropriate to put it into different sections, but You're not really trying to sell every particular product that your company offers on your profile. You're trying to get people interested and by your proactivity on these particular channels, whether it is LinkedIn or Twitter, uh, the hope is when they do visit your profile, you have enough information there to get them interested. And um, then it comes back to what you do in your everyday role when you meet them or you speak to them and um, converting them.
1: Okay, thank you very much. Great insights. Kirsten, a lot of conversation here. Where, where do you want to dive in?
3: I was just thinking that not only, you know, to to Liam's points about, um, you know, your, your LinkedIn profile or, your you know, your Twitter profile being a place for your customers to find information uh, and get them interested, it really is a great place to um, – to let them know that you you are a trusted advisor for them, that you are a subject matter expert because of the way that you interact on those social platforms. Um, and you know, and the, you know, the questions that you ask, the, uh, the engagement in the conversations that you put forward, uh, perhaps the opinions that you, um, you share to your network or and you know, to the wider world uh, that really help a person to understand that, oh, you know what this guy or this person this girl, she really knows a good amount of stuff around the 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 problems that i 'm facing. I need to reach out to to that person and um, and learn a bit more from her or him uh, it, it's because I think there's a, there's a huge, and that's where you start to build relationship even before that you've ever had a conversation like a, you know, a, a back and forth email or a phone conversation with someone. When you, uh, it, I mean, it, it, the same sort of thing comes across in, uh, say, a personal blog. Um, you write a personal blog. You've got a, a bunch of different followers. Maybe it's family and friends who already know you, but maybe it's some people that just find what you have to say interesting. And as mm-hmm. they start to read that blog over time, they get a sense of who you are. Perhaps you share a little bit about you know your your family, or you share uh, a little bit about the business that you do, or um, talk a bit about uh, how you're helping customers solve problems, whatever it is. And and you you share a little bit about who you are as a human being and people um, grab onto that they gravitate to that and it and I, it really it really creates those relationships before ever having had any sort of back and forth conversation, uh, and I think that's one of the things that I find so unique about social is uh, which and why it's so important to have, like Liam said, have that great brand to fall back on, because if you have a, an empty LinkedIn profile or you only tweet about um, really uh, static things uh, and never share any um, any sort of human. Uh, aspects, um, you you lose a lot of credibility, um, and you don't build those relationships.
1: Thank you. Kirsten, I want to bring in a couple points here. When you were talking, a, a phrase came to mind, People do business with people they like. So I just Googled that, and I came up with an article on Forbes from all the way back June 28, 2013, and it says people ultimately choose to do business with people they like and everyone likes someone who appreciates them. That's one thing. I found also something on the smallbusinessbrief.com by a PhD named Rochelle Dispenet Lee, and she says one of the most important activities in growing a business is growing relationships. So we've got mm-hmm. people do business with people they know, like, and here comes the big word, trust. trust. Very, very interesting. Barb Giamanco, thoughts on this? Oh, no. I mean, uh, both what Liam and, and Kirsten have said is right on. And, and I, you know, I feel
2: like your brand is super important. If we know buyers are doing early stage research, you want to be found and when they find you, you want, to, uh, you want to have shared enough with them that they're compelled to want to have that conversation with you and not move on to talk to your competitors. You know, I think of that summary area on LinkedIn as an opportunity to demonstrate the kinds of problems that we can help solve and the results that we help deliver. So Liam's spot on when he said, you know, it's not about President's Club, right? When a buyer is looking, they don't, it's great. You're a great salesperson. You went to President's Club, but the buyer doesn't care about that. It's what can you do for them that's most important. That you you make sure that comes through loud and clear. And then uh, to Kirsten's point, I think the human element is part of it too. I mean, I, I I you know I keep it pretty professional on LinkedIn, Twitter. I go a little more loose, but through my blogs, people really get to know me, and that whether people realize it or not, Bonnie mm-hmm. really does kind of speed up the sales cycle because once someone makes that decision, they, they come to you and they say, hey, I'd like to talk with you more, you've already got some credibility, some of that like and trust factor uh, built in before you got to, got to the chance to, the, to have that sales meeting. You know, back in the day, we had to try and build that likability and trust factor pretty quickly in a first or second meeting. Um, now we can do so much of that through social platforms that it really kind of paves the way to moving the sales
1: along. Thank you, and that's what our topic is today. Appreciate that, Barb. Liam, I'm going to let you wrap this one up before I move to something from Kirsten. Liam, any thoughts on what your co-panelists have just shared and expanded on your point?
4: Uh, Yeah, you know, uh, (laughs) pretty much the gaps that I missed have been completely filled with those points, but i definitely touch on one last point that Barbara mentioned. It's about trust, Um, so building that likability and trust. Again, it's coming back to your brand. And people make uh, an assumption in the first 11 seconds So by looking Mm -hmm. at someone's picture or profile on any particular channel, that's why you need to have it uh, done in an appropriate manner. Because um, that, that trust is built in the first 11 seconds just by them perusing through your profile.
1: 11 seconds, wow, that's, that's a statistic everybody needs to hear. So get in, get them in, draw them in, and do it in the right authentic and non-hard-selling way. Thank you very much. Uh, Kirsten. I have a question for the whole panel, but Kirsten, I want to go to a couple of notes here. You say, with social selling, there's a unique opportunity to be in front of your buyer 24-7 that has never been possible before. Because of this opportunity, reps are better able to be part of the close at the sale. And then one more point, you say, do we expect reps in the B2B space to close deals over social media? And your answer is no, not right now Anyway, I'm going to let you talk to all of this, Kirsten, but my question for Kirsten before you do and for the whole panel, yes or no answer from everybody, please. Kirsten first. Do you need to put into your LinkedIn profile, love to talk to you, we will not hard sell you? Hmm? Do you need to come right out and say, we will not hard sell you? We are not going to pitch you hard and push a sale. Do you need to have a disclaimer like that, yes or no? Kirsten?
3: I don't know. Uh, that's a really Ooh. good question.
1: That's Thank really you. That's a good question. <laughs> Just came up. With, let's hear what Barb Giamanco has to say. Disclaimer? I say no. I think that shines
2: through if you've done your brand building correctly. Uh-huh. Liam? Uh huh. Liam?
4: I Yep, exactly the same words as Barbara. Uh, I don't think you need to be that explicit. Uh, I think if it's uh, narrated in the appropriate fashion, uh, it probably comes across that way.
1: Thank you. I I wondered if there was a shade, a nuance in there. Thank you very much. Yes. Uh, what did they? What did Shakespeare say? Uh, the lady doth protesteth too much. I think we can go with that one. Kirsten, I'm sorry to derail this, but I had to just top of mind, had to get an answer there. So you're in front of your buyer 24-7. Now we know in this always on, always connected, digitally networked world, Kirsten, you never know when somebody's going to be online. I don't think there's such a thing as insomnia anymore, just sitting and twiddling your thumbs or watching bad reruns. A lot of us who don't sleep or choose not to sleep or can't sleep, we're online, sometimes overnight, and you never know what we're going to find. So how you take advantage of this unique opportunity to potentially be in front of your buyer or your prospect 24-7? Kirsten?
3: This is where uh, engaging in that social conversation is so key because the more that you share to your networks, the more that you like or comment on things that are happening within your network or even outside of your network, um, things that you see on Twitter and uh, engaging in those conversations back and forth that everybody can see um, this is where you have the opportunity to to really uh, be in front of that that buyer, um, somebody who's you know online overnight, someone who is you know checking their um, the, the hashtags or the list that they follow, you know, first thing in the morning, at the end of the day, uh someone who is, you know, scrolling through their their news feed, um uh, at lunchtime. I mean, they, they could t- check it at any time of day. Perhaps it's something that they always have, and I actually have seen this. Um they uh, someone people that are really really socially um Uh, savvy or even uh, really interested in social, they'll have like a second computer in front of them that has all their social feeds on it. And they just, you know, will glance at it every once in a while and see what's happening. Um, And they're really, that's, you know, they're the kind of people that are really, really advanced. Um, But even so, just, you know, having those engaging in that conversation but always sharing that very relevant very educational content um, that's going to that's really targeted for the buyers um place where the pirate the buyer is on in their journey uh that's going to catch their attention um you can send it you know you can send a treat tweet directly to them mention them in the tweet there it's going to come to them they're going to see it and, and they're you know, they might click into that information or, you know, um, you can send it as a, as a message on LinkedIn. And, and really just using those platforms to engage in that conversation, that's how you can get in front of them 24-7. Um, and because of that, you can build those relationships. Um, and as we build those relationships, we have the opportunity to listen, and understand where their challenges are, and then um, be able to really uh, focus in on the the conversation that's happening around the particular challenges and be there at the close of the the sale. Um, Because you've built that relationship, because you know exactly what um, is going to interest them, you know exactly what um, they're not interested in as well, and and that really uh, is how you get to be at that close of the sale.
1: Interesting. Kirsten, quick question before I toss this. Very quickly, we're almost at our – actually, we are at the time for our predictions, Crystal, ball around. Uh, question, what if you see the conversation going in directions where other companies' sales reps are being brought into the conversation, where you see a tweet, for example, and you recognize the name of one of your competitors in a reply, or you see in a LinkedIn forum where a question has been posed and you're coming in with a good, authentic answer, non-selling, non-pushy, and you see that a couple of competitors are also in. In that chat, in that group conversation, uh, do you panic or, or do you put the put the pedal to the metal a little harder? What do you do, Kirsten? Just a quick piece of advice from you.
3: I, I would think that you would probably, you know, certainly reach out um, more quickly perhaps than you might have. Um, right. You have the opportunity, you know exactly what's happening, um, so you can, it's a great way to keep track of what, what you know, how people are engaging in, in that uh, conversation, so
1: Interesting. Yes. And that 24-7 having the prospect in front of you you can also keep the the competitors in front of you. Interesting uh, addition there. Barb Giamanco, you know the drill. It's time for our crystal ball predictions round. Take a look deep into the future, far into the future, Barb. What do you see would be different about our conversation? I love 2020, as you know. How far into the future can you go? Barb Giamanco, I can give you exactly 60 seconds. Predictions,
2: Well, if we were in 2020, and you believe what
1: Forrester just predicted, one million people in sales today
2: would be out of jobs. How about that? And at the same time, we'd be talking about what is on the rise in 2020 is the need for higher level consultative skills that build that likability and trust. So Forrester does predict that's going to continue to increase uh, by 10% by 2020, so You know, if we're talking today, sadly people are going to be out of work. And so it seems to me that sales leaders probably need to kind of wake up right now and start adapting their approach before they find themselves looking uh, down the road in a new career path.
1: Wow. You all heard it first from Barb Giamonco. Well, secondhand, but first here on Social <laughs> social Selling with Game Changers. Thank you very much, Barb. Wow. Send me the link to that study. I'd love to see it. Liam McLaughlin, Absolutely. you're new to this, but I'm just simply going to give you 60 seconds for predictions. You can go at any point in the future, 10 minutes from now, 10 years, three years, whatever your pleasure is. Liam McLaughlin, 60 seconds, predictions, go.
4: Yep. So um, my my point actually leverages something that Kirsten was talking about. Um, One one aspect I'd build onto hers is just the mobile and the technology that we're using is definitely changing. So a lot of people when they're commuting these days and in the future, they're using phones now, they could be using something else in the future, uh, glasses, etc. So I think technology Mm -hmm. will definitely dictate how we approach our buyers uh, from a channel perspective, one thing we do need to bear in mind is that everyone is in sales. Everyone's in sales. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're a sales professional or an MD, you are always in sales, whether you classify yourself as a salesperson or not. So everyone needs to adopt social selling. And whether it is one channel versus the other, that will cleanse itself out uh, over the next couple of years as it becomes more prevalent and it becomes more understood of how powerful this can be.
1: Thank you. That was powerful in itself. Thank you, Lee. I'm so glad you were able to join us. Kirsten Boylow. thoughts on predictions? I can give you oh, a full 60 seconds, and we might even have time for a one-sentence bonus question. I haven't figured it out yet, but go ahead, Kirsten. <laughs>
3: um, I would predict that by I'm, – I'm not sure if it will happen by 2020, but by – by definitely by 2025, um, one of the things I said, you know, in my notes was that not right now, the technology isn't there for reps to be able to actually close B2B sales over, over social media. Um, but definitely, you know, within 10 years, that's going to be um, the way that things will happen. There's, you know, the technology will change, the social platforms will change, the privacy rules will change, all of that will be, most of it will happen over social
1: Thank you very much. And I do have a bonus question and a yes or no answer. Quickly, let's go back to Barb Giamanco. I'm looking at your notes, Barb, and you say 40% of organizations admit they have no formalized process for onboarding their new sales reps. So how do they learn is the question. Uh, Does a company need to have a formal social selling, social listening, social networking platform where they bring new reps in if those jobs still exist, Barb? Uh, Is it time to get a program and a strategy in place? Yes or no, Barb?
2: Yes, 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 and yes. And for goodness sakes, make
1: sure they've got great selling skills being trained as well. Ah, very good point. Liam McLaughlin, agree, disagree. What do you think? Time for a social selling strategy at the corporate level or not?
4: Uh, absolutely. Yeah. There okay. to be best practices on what works, what doesn't work, but absolutely agree.
1: And if everybody listens to this radio series, they'll get those best practices, won't they, Kirsten Boyle? Kirsten, what are absolutely. your thoughts? Is it time for, time for a social selling program strategy? Yes?
3: Oh, yes. That's what I actually talked about at Sales Connect. We, you have to have a strategy in place. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. And I
1: have a strategy in place. And my strategy in place is to get great guests on the show. Work with Kirsten Boylow on her new series, which is eight episodes in. And I, little birdie, told me a little Twitter birdie told me, or another birdie, that bar that uh, Kirsten is renewing in 2016. That's a prediction. I hope comes true. So thank you, Barb Giomanco. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Barb is at Social Centered Selling. Liam McLaughlin, newcomer, LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining us. I know it was a stretch to get you on the phone, but Liam, it was worth every dialing every dialing digit to get you here. We really appreciate <laughs> We you. appreciate you, and we like you. See, do business with people you like and appreciate them. Kirsten Boyleau, what can I say? And a shout-out to Justin and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio for getting us on the air and keeping us there. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action fasten your seatbelt. Who sold it to you? I don't know, but get a good one. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. I'll be back in a little over an hour here on the Business Channel with another live episode of Industry Cloud Trends with Game Changers presented by SAP talking about Utilities 3.0. Why are you still getting your utility bill by snail mail and having to pay by check? Huh? Okay, over and out. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Social Selling with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.